What is the future of the business handshake? This is the focus group. It's the savvy side of nine to five. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the focus group with Tim Bennett. S T A U N C H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hello, everybody, and happy Wednesday. This is Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John Nash. We are live here on the Focus Group. Thanks for joining us. And a special shout-out to all the mothers out there who will be celebrating Mother's Day on Sunday, which is uh, later on in the week. We want to thank you for tuning in, and thanks to all of you who have been also joining us on Tuesday mornings for our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. If you go to focusgroupradio.com, you can find all of our current and past media there, both audio and video. John? Yes. Why I I I am wondering why you're so your your lighting is brighter than mine. Am I doing something wrong? Do you have a lot nope. of lights there? Uh, I guess I don't have a lot of lights where I am. Our house has um 18 windows, 9 of which oh. are upstairs, 4 of which are behind me, one in front of me. So yeah, we get a lot of light here and on a nice day. Yeah. Can you see me okay? I yeah, I might have this cheap monitor that you, that you made me buy so I I can't, you know, see myself well. <laughs> Don't give me the cheap monitor. You're sitting in front of an Apple display. You're back in G-side. <laughs> I just wanted to check. I don't know. I, I just it's it just feels that like that. There. Yeah, it just feels like I'm a little a, a little uh, a little different shading. So how are you? How's your week been? Good so far. No complaints. Uh, Bob has been um, working on painting the interior of the house, which has not been done since we bought it about 19 years ago, and it looks fantastic. I mean, it's it's just little things like the trim and the colors are not that different than the last time you were visiting, but they're a little brighter. So he's doing that. And I'm and you and I are keeping busy with our advertising clients, which we're very happy to be busy and, and doing our stuff. Although on some days I think to myself, like, hmm, I don't want to do anything today. <laughs> you know what I'm talking well, about? You, have the, you, know. you could you could decide to do that. Is your trim different color than the the walls or, is, or are you painting it all one color? No, you know, remember the house? Well, you could see like the trim is uh, on the windows is white. So it's we're going to keep that all white. And then Bob has, you know, done a good job of that. It's amazing to watch him do it. You know, uh, you you know, you guys did your house down uh, at the beach. Right. And I don't know. I'm not as steady a hand and I would tape everything if I were doing it myself. I've watched Bob do this where he doesn't even tape and it like the brush goes and it's the perfect line. Really? Wow, he's good then. Yeah, he's a skilled yeah. craftsman. We'll keep, we'll keep him. He's a keeper. Yeah, because I think you'd have to tape. So the uh, we had a couple of notes today from uh, from listeners that wanted to uh, let us know, which we did, but uh, it was it was too late for uh, for us to talk about on unbuttoned. But the um, kind of the unfortunate demise of some of our retailers, which J Crew had uh, had filed for bankruptcy. But then I saw in the paper this morning that Lord and Taylor says that uh, they're soon to liquidate all of their stores. And they're the oldest, I didn't realize this, the oldest surviving retailer in the U.S., 1826, I think they started. And uh, so they said they're going to liquidate the 30-some-odd stores that they have um, in due time pretty shortly. So as brick-and-mortar so, keeps So wait, uh, wait, wait, Lord and, Lord and Taylor, so J. Crew is announcing a bankruptcy which is a restructuring of their debt. So they're going to still right. be an entity moving forward. You could still buy their product. But was Lord & Taylor different? Are they literally just liquidating and they're going to go out of business? 
You know, that's what it sounded like as I read it. It, it was on CNBC, and I, I read the piece on, I think it was CNN perhaps. But the way it sounded was it was very similar to, if you remember growing up, Woolworth or Grant's or Bradley's when they went out, they essentially just said we're closing, and they start consolidating merchandise and just blow it out. And then uh, then that's that, unless somebody wants to purchase the name, I suppose. It's, uh, yeah, I think a lot of, re well, you know, I read an article on the retail front, and you and I have talked about this on the show a number of times. I read an article in uh, the journal that actually was by a guy, it was an opinion piece, and it, so it wasn't that he was like, you know, I, he's not necessarily an expert, but he basically said that while we think that the current events are driving retail out, his theory is they're just accelerating trends that were already in place before all of this began. Right. And he was citing online ordering, delivery, uh, free returns of things that don't fit. You know, things that you and I complain about, like I'd rather go to a store and try something on and not have to return it. <laughs> right. But apparently he just said everything's accelerating in a direction where we're going to be looking at stores as showrooms, kind of like um, like an automobile showroom would be, right? And some brands do that already. Like I've mentioned Roan in the past, uh, fitness wear, where you go in, they have like one of everything maybe maybe most sizes but really if you're lucky to get something they direct you to the web like if you like that and you want the other color just go online and now you know your size so but doesn't we'll see that what bother happens. you because i know you shop there but doesn't that bother you because if you wanted something it's that instant gratification right if you went in there to get a sh get a pair of shorts or a pair of pants and you're like okay this is the one i want then all of a sudden well you got to go online and order it it'll be there in seven days at that point you might be like yeah maybe i don't need it I just am reminded, and I think you've probably had this experience too. Um, yes. So instant gratification serves many different purposes. Sometimes you just want something. Or sometimes, let's say you were on a business trip. Right. And you didn't pack a certain shirt or something got ruined and you had to go to a store. And I've done this. I bet you've done this too. Where I've been a half hour, hour before a meeting. I land. Something's wrong. I go to a store buy a white shirt, take it out of the bag. Okay. So it's going to look like it might not have been pressed, put it on, go to the meeting. You're done. How <laughs> in the, right. the, in the world we're just describing where, well, we don't have it, but you could order online. You know, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I, I just experienced that at Orvis. I'd gone there. Well, I'd gone there to get a pair of shoes that when I went online, looked as if they had shoes and I got to the store and then the uh, the salesperson said, "Oh, we we stopped we stopped stocking shoes. You've got to order those online." I said, "Well, I need to try them on. I wanted to look at them first to see if they looked okay because of my cheap monitor. I didn't know how they'd look." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then, but then of course you you have to try shoes on. I don't care what are they do they run small? Do they run tight? And uh, I, I so I just ended up saying, "Forget it. I'll go someplace where I can actually try shoes on." But I'm probably an old old school person. No, that no. Way. And you know, the other thing is that, that I miss quite frankly, and I'm going to miss it when, if it doesn't exist is I think a lot of people that worked in retail loved retail. I think they actually loved helping customers. I, I've rarely had a bad experience in stores. Um, and I've often relied on, on salespeople in the funniest of ways. Like a, I'll pick up, like I once, two years ago, I was at Uniglo. And they had a sale on these sweaters and I pick up three of them and I said, to the, and I just randomly walked up to this woman who was like folding and stacking and I said, I only want to buy two. You could be honest and tell me which colors are going to look good on me. I, she didn't even hesitate. She's like, I think the dark purple and the dark blue, she goes, you don't want that beige color. <laughs> well, I would have told you that you don't want to buy light colors, John. You're not a light color guy. 
But then I was done. I was, and I was thrilled. It was a great, and she laughs. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And that's what I'm going to really miss is the people who really love being in retail and, and doing that as, because that's been their career, right? Unless you're a friend of mine who used to say when they would get that question, it was whatever one wasn't moving. Oh, that one looks great on you. <laughs> that way you get it moving out the door. <laughs> yeah, but I think sled. in this case, I think in this case, you made the right decision. I think the darker, darker colors are best. So, hey, are the boys in the booth with us? We have those. We have uh, Stephen Garrett with us today, bringing us live. There they are. How's everything going, gentlemen? Doing well. Wonderful. Yep. Walking on Doing sunshine. <laughs> Someone's doing sunshine. I hope you have sunshine the there. There's not been a lot of sunshine this spring. Oh, no, Sunday. Cold. Yeah, Sunday was glorious. And then it went right back into, I think this weather reminds me of early April, late March. You know, like it should, our weather people upstate are funny. They're like, you know, it should be 70, but it's going to be 51 today. <laughs> so can I have the should be temperature and not should. the one that, you know, yeah. That's funny. It's supposed to be 35 Friday. Lower yeah, 35, yeah. Upstate, we're what? supposed to have a, a covering of snow. I'm hoping it doesn't because I want the plants to survive. But Garrett's right. It's down in the city. It's supposed to be 35. Blistering. Think of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Don't pack I, those clothes just yet, right? I didn't realize that. Jeez. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Nash, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Okay. I love this article. I immediately clipped it for what's my eye, for what's caught my eye. Because it mentions a machine that I, we probably every I knew people who had this. Okay, the the headline is under quarantine, vintage solo flexes are getting a workout, and the article begins <laughs> by profiling. You remember solo flex? They had the well, it was the a close hanger, it was an expensive clothes hanger. <laughs> That's what it became for most people. Yeah. So, at start the article kicks off uh, featuring a guy named Steve Ackerman who was a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps back in 1984 when he noticed a campaign on TV for the Solaflex ad. The ads featured model Scott Madsen, shirtless and ripped, with a price-conscious tagline that dubbed his torso the $495 body, which in today's dollars would be about $1,200 for a Solaflex. Wowed by the ads, Ackerman ordered a Solaflex and worked out on it pretty consistently for a decade. Um, he's moved around a lot. He got married. His wife didn't really like having it so prominently in their apartment because, yes, you know, it's just sitting out. It's a bench with the resistance band. So up to the attic it went. Here we go. Twenty six late. Uh, Twenty six years later, everybody across the country is locked down, and Americans are saying, "Okay, well, how can I figure out my fitness thing?" Lucky, some lucky people have home gyms or a Peloton bike or forest or trails they could walk on or stuff at home. Then other people take Zoom classes. I've been doing it myself with yoga, as you know, which I think is fun. But then there's the lucky few who go up to their attic and drag out the Solaflex machine. And apparently, and, and and by the way, he also, the author of this piece, also mentioned Thighmaster. Remember the Thighmaster? Yeah. N Nordic Track, Bowflex, and the Gazelle Glider. I, I the gazelle, love that, the Gazelle. That's the love guy the with the ponytail that would go back and forth, right? Is that yep. the Gazelle Glider? So, so basically, um, a whole group of people and younger people are now discovering Solaflex because of its principle of based uh, resistance-based training. So it was these rubber bands that were, you know, a certain thickness right. and, and resistance, easier on the muscles, better for old the older generation. But I just think it's a riot that this this stuff is coming back. 
Um, there was a funny moment where this uh, they mentioned the thigh master and didn't uh, what's the three's company? Suzanne Summers used to hawk right. that, right? So she bought one of these for her ten year old son who wanted to start exercising. It wound up stashed in a corner somewhere. She tried using it again a few like a year or two later, and it snapped out from between her legs and <laughs> and cracked her in the face. And she said, that's it. The thigh master's out of here. So Soloflex is back. People are dragging them out. And you can actually buy the bands for the Soloflex oh machine. They, there's a place that sells the old bands. And what did he say here? Um, they've seen a 211. Yeah, the play Privé Fitness, which makes replacement bands for Soloflex, Body by Jake and Weeder Machine, said March and April have seen a 211 percent increase in band sales. And before I let you do caught my eye, we have a listener in Florida who sent us um, uh, um, something that that was warm, that made my heart warm. It's our our listener, Rob, who's a big Star Wars fan. He is now the owner of two, not one, but two Baby Yoda dolls. So that's, I think, our next, uh, <laughs> if you put baby that Yoda out. Baby Yoda dolls. <laughs> Do you see? <laughs> do baby they talk Yoda, or anything? It, no, I don't think they do. But Baby Yoda was the hit character, the breakout puppet character of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian, which takes place in the Star Wars universe. I love the show. I love Baby Yoda. But Rob, also, Rob sent me a picture of his Star Wars room. I better never go visit because I may not leave and I may play with all these toys, which some are in the box and some are not, but it would definitely not be a mint in box day if I were doing my, <laughs> my visits. So thank you, Rob, for the pictures and for Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Yeah, that's one thing you don't have is a Star Wars room. Yeah, but, uh, you, you know, that the, I you, you haven't gone that far yet. Yeah. Bob will yeah. shut that down. Yeah. <laughs> Not unless you had a bigger place. I laughed when I saw the Soloflex um Soloflex uh machine because I don't know if I ever told you. Did I ever tell you the time that um they wanted us to do an infomercial when I was a rower for Bowflex? I lived in I lived in Portland, Oregon. So and did they make like a pre core kind of uh rowing trainer? No, it was the Bowflex oh, machines, the, and they okay. and, and so they came down to the boathouse, and they wanted us guys to do this infomercial. Everybody was all excited. It's when I lived in Oregon, but um, when we had to go strip down because they made you strip down naked, I did not go strip down because I knew better. But the other two guys, while we were strong, we just weren't cut enough. So while they were fit, they just didn't have all the the glistening six pack or whatever. So the uh, all of the fame was was uh, was diminished. So that didn't happen. <laughs> but um, but yeah, those all those machines are funny because I was just looking around the office here. Remember we did the shake weight when we were over on uh, over on OutQ, and I was trying to find the shake weight here because I'm sure that that could be another one. Although I'm not so sure that ever did anything to you. I'm glad you brought up ShakeWay. It's in the article, and they said that was the one device that most people, if they had it, they will never return to it because it was such a good sales job. We were convinced that we were going to have six-pack abs in like two two weeks just by shaking the. And it was a that thing was really. Shake weight was weird. I have to say that. That was not my favorite fitness thing. Well, that one and the one that was on, uh, which I've see, I just saw advertised again, so they're bringing all these old things back, on, on Shark Tank, where the, you stand on the plastic board almost like a saucer and you, sp and you twist. I don't even know what the thing's <laughs> called. Are like you serious? Saying, oh, you haven't seen that one? So it, it's no. like this bent piece of plastic, essentially. It's like an old old uh, flying saucer used to go down the, the street with. And somebody had gone on, on Shark Tank, and um, the woman from QVC, Grenier, 
forget what yeah. her what her name is. She went in on it, and it's multi multi million dollars they made in this thing. But it's just a hard piece of plastic that you stand on and just kind of twist. So uh, you know, well, get, it must get be for your it. core. It has to be a core exercise and balance, right? But you're not yeah, going to yeah. like build muscle doing that. Well, you're moving. You're moving, you're but so you're going to lose weight, and you probably strengthen your core because of balance, right? But you know. I guess I, I've seen it at the store and I just laugh and I kick myself because once again, we didn't think right. of it. When somebody somebody else it. bought it. We, we, we've all we've all spun on spun on a board or something. You know so. what? We did think of it. I sent you a picture of it, but your cheap monitor didn't display it properly. And that's my fault because I made you I get thought the it cheap was, monitor. Right. I thought it, you I thought thought it was, was like a sled. <laughs> exactly. You said no, someone already did the sled. So my my caught my eye is a, a very different thing, but I was wondering if you've experienced this. So when you type a sentence, do you hit the space bar twice? Oh, uh, I love your caught my eye. When I saw this, I just smiled. Okay, the answer is this. When you're in typing class, you are taught to hit the space bar twice. Right. Okay. If you are a typesetter, like I was a typographer for many years and set type for magazines, Two spaces is death knell. It's supposed to be one space after the period. Um, so no, I actually type one. I know you still are in the habit of two, but is there actually an official thing about this outside of typesetting? Well, there, it's a big argument. It's been an argument for quite a while, but they now have said that if if you have Microsoft Outlook and you're going to be updating, they're gradually um, changing the... Um, they're gradually, as the software updated, they're going to, if you hit the space bar twice and put two spaces in, it's going to give you the blue squiggly that you made a, you made an error. And so if you did this whole paper or you did this whole letter or something and you did the two spaces, you're going to have to go back and correct it all. But they said there is a fix. So this was discovered. There was a University of Denver law professor, Alan Chen. He discovered this and contacted and uh, Microsoft and found out, in fact, that they're rolling this out gradually. But if you want to change it, you can go into your settings, and there's an area where um, when you get into Word, you go, you get the error message. You have to right-click on the on the error, and then it allows you to say either ignore this issue, or you go in and actually change it and say to ignore and remove all spacing from the list of errors in two different areas under under grammar. So, I I was trying to think. Now I'm cognizant of it. Do I hit twice? I don't know. Can you tell whether I do? I sure. You're a consistent double spacer. And that bothers you? No, no. In fact, they, it makes it it makes it so easy. When I have to edit something that you've done and I have to typeset it or something, I actually set up the word to search for two spaces and replace with one. Boom, you're done. Because they did say that some people, um, like they get in arguments at work about it. And there, there's one guy that they, they called him the kind of the uh, the space Nazi, and he was going crazy with people's stuff and not accepting it and yelling at people because they were hitting the space bar twice. Most people were like, just relax. But he was he was um, emphatic about it. So when I saw this pop up, I just laughed because I thought, and I thought you at, at being a typesetter in a former career would probably be well aware of this. So that's what, uh, that's what it caught my eye. <laughs> and Steve briefly had up on the screen the... Uh... The twisty board thing. Oh, I didn't see the twisty board. Did did, did yeah. he? Because I, I had the uh, I had my found my a, thing open. Found did, a do you remember of it. seeing that? Do you remember seeing that thing? Or no? Well, when he, when he put it up, I now recognize it. Yeah, it's just it's this thing. It's this board that, that look at this. He's and they, yeah, and they smartly picked uh, a couple different body types, right? You know, they picked mom and they picked supermodel and they picked maybe grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but you know, it looks like they they did a good casting there. 
I can't believe someone made multi-millions off that. That's like a sled. It's a pla- oh. like, as a kid, I'd ha- hop on that and go down a hill, right? Oh, my God. Every time I go to the store, I scream. I, uh, yeah, that, yeah that, that one to me is just shocking because as kids, we used to do that with the saucer. You would because you would have to balance yourself and we would twist and twist. And who knows? We could have made some money off it. But just like selling water. Right, John? Who would have thought that was a good idea? Tim, but, um, we grew up with uh, a, a woman, a, a, the mother of a girl that we went to high school with who joke. Was it or is it your mom that said it? Who's going to buy bottled water? Because everybody Does your mom say that all, all the New Yorkers would go up to the Roxbury Spring. And we, we'd go see friends over in, in Roxbury, Connecticut, and they'd have all those plastic milk jug bottles, and they'd be at the spring, and they'd be loading them up with water and loading the trunks up. The line would be three or four cars deep all day long. And I'd be like, Mom, we should sell water. Get crazy. Who's going to pay for water? <laughs> so, see, I bring it, your mom bring is like up. me. We both missed the boat. We come up with ideas, but we were a little too late. We could have done Roxbury spring water, John. We could have That could have been a project in high school. Well, we, I would have called it we The Rocks. Crazy. The Rocks. The rocks? Is that what you call Yeah. Instead of Roxbury Spring, the rocks. Yeah. We could still do it. We could. We could. Yeah, it's an idea. Well, things are tough now. We can reinvent ourselves, right? We can figure (laughs) out what's going on. It's water barons. Yeah. So speaking of finding a way to uh, do things differently, our business birthday today. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. My allergies are killing me. The, um, ditto, ditto, ditto. Uh, my YouTube, eyes have I, gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't. Here we go. The uh, Daniel Frank Gerber was born today, May 6th in 1898. He died in 1974 at 75 years old. Of course, you're correct. Gerber, as in Gerber baby food. He was the American manufacturer of baby food. He was born in Fremont, Michigan. He went to Babson College. And when he came home from college, he worked at his dad's canning company. And he was a manager there at the company, and they, the company had limited success. They sold um, packaged and canned vegetables, beans, and fruits, and, uh, and they were just doing okay. So in 1927, Dan and his wife Dorothy had a child, and a little baby's name was Sally. And back then, babies' diets were mostly liquid, or you had to take food and you had to constantly chop it and overcook it and strain it and mash it up and make it um, – edible for for babies. So his wife suggested to Dan said, "Hey, why don't we make some sort of food that we could feed for feed to kids and feed to to babies so that I don't have to mash this food up so much it would come already prepackaged." So he convinced his dad, he he talked to a number of um nutritionists and experts to try to figure out um what would work for baby food and actually used his own child as a uh, as a sampler to taste test the baby food. Convinced his dad to instead of packaging just vegetables and beans and so forth to do this baby food, and they called it uh, Gerber's Strained Foods, started in 1928. And, of course, by 1950, it was so popular, they ended up with three factories across the U.S. They were the very first company to ever package and sell baby food and uh, and still going strong to this day, so much so that uh, the company stopped making all other products and just concentrated on the Gerber baby food. The first baby, which everybody's familiar with, if you're watching the video on the left, the uh, iconic sketch of the baby was, uh, the baby's name was Ann Turner Cook. It was drawn by an artist, Dorothy Hope, in uh, 1895, or 1895 time frame. The baby was born in 1926. She became an English teacher and a mystery novelist. And currently, <laughs> currently, one of the Gerber babies 
It's a baby name. I believe it's Lucas Warren, and he's the first baby with Down syndrome. And he's been he's been featured uh, in the last year or two, I believe, on the packaging. And so, again, if you're watching, you'll see a picture of of uh, Lucas there. But um, I thought it was a pretty interesting story because, again, here's here's a company that was doing something with just very kind of marginal success. Wife comes up with a great idea to satisfy a need, and you end up with this very very successful company. Um, at the time Iconic. of his death, at 19, yep. At the time of his death, it was the largest baby food manufacturer in the world. So happy birthday, Dan Gerber. Think about it though. Um, not only is it iconic, every, I, I would imagine almost every home in America has somehow had Gerber food, Gerber baby food somewhere. Right. I have some now. Well, and you probably give it to the dogs because, um, if not, not that, not in a bad way, but it's, it's pre like if it's carrots or something like that, it's easy to eat. It's been strained. And, um, then the whole thing about the image of the baby on the bottle. I'm glad you brought up the fact that they did a, a while ago feature a, a young child with Down syndrome because that that's the again a product or a brand saying we're a part of your life, we're a reflection of who you are, right. and that's acknowledging that kids come in all shapes and sizes and colors and abilities. And I think it's cool when they do that, right? Yeah, no, very much so. They they certainly certainly change with the times. The other thing, and you're absolutely right. I've given the carrots to the dogs if there were. Um, the, the carrot baby food, but then I was reading something too. And I, I almost thought of doing this at one time, but it, when you think of it, it really was just about portion control. There was a fad going around with the baby food diet. Did you ever hear about that? Yes, I did. So, yes. so you would just yeah. buy the baby food and you would have the one strain, jar. you know, a, one jar of the applesauce for breakfast, and then you'd have the, the peas and something else for lunch. And then, so I thought, Oh, this would be a great idea. Very simple. It's all done. But then I thought, well, it really is just about portion size at that point, mm-hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> in fact, that whole diet rested on portion size, right? It's a glass jar. It's this big. <laughs> but maybe, John, this is an idea. Maybe we just repackage it. Repackage the Gerber's baby food? Or just just, just do a diet with with uh, with foods that size. You could have anything you want. We'd squeeze in a little bit of chili you know and how, squeeze in. Do you know how brilliant that is in our world of, <laughs> of contactless this and delivery that? You could get a pop box. I, Tim, I like your idea. You get a box at your doorstep, and it's got rows of jars. And one says B. Like on the cap could be B, L, and D for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? <laughs> B L and D. I like that. <laughs> and there could be the rows company. like week one, B L D, week two, B L D. You know. <laughs> I think you might be onto something there, actually. I, I'm 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 for that. The B L D diet. Yeah, the B L D so. diet. So hey, many of you know that uh, Deep Discount's a friend of ours here and a partner of ours on the Focus Group. Be sure to go to focusgroupradio.com and click on the Deep Discount logo and start owning your passion. And uh, you'll see Sharky the Shark while you're there as well. Sharky. Is Sharky is Sharky in quarantine or Sharky will make a visit someday again? Sharky Sharky puppets are elsewhere and they need to be retrieved, which I'm going to be working on. And I'm I'm also thinking in our digital format now that with the magic of how we're doing this, that perhaps there's some other ways of dealing with Sharky. Animation, puppetry. Well, that'd be a great idea. I don't know. Yeah. So, so right now there's a British sale going on. So, John, what was your, uh, what did you pick? This uh, week? Okay. So, if you go to Deep Discount and you get there by going to focusgroupradio.com, as Tim said, click on the shark logo. Arr! 
Um, I immediately did what Tim does. So I went to the British sale and I went, I went down to the menu structure and I didn't want to stay on page one. I went right away to page like six and the page pops up and what do I see? But, and I just thought, Oh, I missed this. So, um, the BBC, uh, for many listeners, I bet a lot of people have read the book by Douglas Adams, the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. There was several um, iterations after that, follow-up books, but The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, which were kind of a duo at the time, everybody loved them. It's, it's, it's comic science fiction. It's, it's, it's a lot of humor, a lot of stuff. The BBC finally made a TV show out of this back in the 90s, I think it was, and oh my God, it was a six or seven part series. PBS aired it here in the US. The production quality... Well, it's it's not it's a level above. Let's go to the barn and put on a costume and make a show. <laughs> but it's done in earnest, and there's some fun graphics and great voiceover and good acting. So I found that um, D- Deep Discount is carrying the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy special edition. They remastered the BBC series, improved the audio, and included a bunch of behind-the-scenes documentaries. I uh, can only say this. If you're a fan of the book or you know this BBC show, get the disc. You'll put it in. It will bring back great memories of when it first aired in the 90s when we were on CRT TVs that were the size of, you know, refrigerators. (laughs) Remember how big the TVs (laughs) used to be? Enormous. Yeah, so my pick was the special edition of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the BBC show, not the movie. Not the movie. Okay. I'll have to... uh, I've not seen that, so I'll have to... uh have to look for that. I don't know if it's your style. No. I don't I'm just going to say right off the bat that although since you're not a huge sci-fi fan you might see the humor and the irony in how they pulled this one off but yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Well, I'll get, if you tell me no I'll listen because I you 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 generally have me pegged pretty good. I love <laughs> the movie and I hate all the things that you hate Tim so you might like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You see, Garrett and I are little soulmates. Yeah. Thank you for chiming in, Garrett. Thank you. I, <laughs> he may be right, Tim. The movie, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed this series a great deal. Anyway. Cool. I, uh, I was hunting around, and there was lots of uh, things that would be familiar on the British sale, of course, but I found one that I had not heard about. Color Me Kubrick. Did you ever hear that movie? No. Is this about Stanley Kubrick? It is, but it's about a, it's a truish is what they say. It's a truish story. But so it was, uh, it was released in the U S later than it was uh, initially in the UK, France and Russia. And, uh, the original release date was Oh five and then re-released in Oh seven. It's about 96 minutes long. It's under $10. It's nine forty eight for the DVD. But so John Malkovich delivers a charming performance. They say is Alan Conway, who was a con man who went around for over a decade um, telling people he was the famed film director, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> and they said he did this despite knowing nothing about any of his work. And he would manage <laughs> to succeed in, in, as an imposter. And they said for uh, the last decade of his life, he goes around to all these different areas and um, convinces people to give him money. He gets liquor, he gets food, he gets sexual favors. And uh, <laughs> all in the promise that he's going to put them in the next big Kubrick film. And people believed him. And how he got caught was there was uh, there was somebody during the um, the or the idea for the screenplay happened when um, during the filming of Eyes Wide Shut, Alan oh, Conway, Nicole Kidman, and Tom Cruise. Yeah, right. The um, so Alan Conway had been impersonating Kubrick for many years, as they say, and. 
the information reached the director at that time, his assistant, Anthony Freewin was the guy's name. And they kept getting phone calls of people complaining that, you know, we met you and you said we're going to be in the movie and we're not in the movie and we gave you money and we gave you gifts and all this other stuff. So Kubrick felt bad and asked all these people to come forward and try to figure out how to do some sort of make good. But they were also embarrassed. None of them came forward because they all knew that they were conned. And so they decided to write the screenplay. So I thought it would be. I like Kubrick, but I just thought, can you imagine somebody, my friends and I one time in college, and it's funny this came at this time, we were talking about it last week, we had gone to this mall in Parkersburg, West Virginia, in these like chess king clothes and told people we were the Psychedelic Furs band because we thought we might get some free stuff because they were playing in the area. And uh, of course we got nothing and half the people we talked to had no idea who the Psychedelic Furs were. But I was thinking the same sort of thing. This guy was somewhat convincing that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Stanley Kubrick. And, you know, how, how about compliment me my meal tonight? So <laughs> I, you know, Tim, I saw this in the deck and I, I was sure that it was going to be some kind of documentary about Stanley Kubrick, brilliant director. This is even better. The, I love the story behind this. So it's based on fact. Right. right. And in the description, it says you know, color me, color me Kubrick, the true-ish. So they, I, I guess some of the, for the movie and obviously for entertainment's sake, maybe some of the cons were not um, true to form, but it was the spirit of the fact that this was a con man going around saying he was Kubrick. But, um, and if you're, if you're not watching on our uh, Facebook or YouTube right now, and you're listening in audio, the cover of the, um, this movie, it says color in big words, me Kubrick. And John Malkovich is clearly if that's clearly John Malkovich with those pink, like rose colored glasses on a pink tie holding up like some rosé or something. It, 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 it's a perfect pose of like the Hollywood kind of like, Hey, I can put you in a film. <laughs> good, good, good pick, Tim. I, I'm, you know, you do surprise. You always surprise, which is what we all tune in for. Right. Tim surprise. Well, sometimes we'll see. We'll see. So what was the release? <laughs> what was the release this week? Okay. So the release this week is a movie called the Jesus rolls. Um, and it is in fact a de facto, continuation of the big Lebowski, which is a uh, Coen brothers film, which it just love the big Lebowski. So I'll read this. It says just out of prison with two strikes, Jesus Quintana, John Turturro, who actually that's the character that shows up in, um, the big Lebowski still quickly finds himself heading for the gutter as he and fellow parolee Peter, uh, which is Bobby, Con uh, Cannavale find themselves on a road, a road trip, crime and sex spree already. I'm, I'm on board <laughs> with a shampoo girl, um, in tow writer, director Torturo. So John Torturo, who in fact was that character in the big Lebowski with the Coen's brothers blessing and okay, uh, reprises his role from the big Lebowski for this unofficial spinoff, which is a remake of the 1974 French farce going places. Susan Sarandon's in the movie as well as John Hamm and Christopher Walken. Pete Davidson is in it as well. So I had not really heard of this. And now wow. I want to see it based on the cast and knowing, um, you know, where it comes from and what the origins are. So the Jesus roles. And there's wow. a picture. The, and, and as you can see, if you're watching, that's John Torturo holding up a, a, a bowling ball, licking it with his tongue. I guess that's for good luck. <laughs> so... Uh, Hey, uh, let's recap. We want to thank uh, Deep Discount for being with us, as always. But let's say again, it's the British sale. I picked uh, the Deep Disc, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Special Edition, which is their BBC show from the 90s, remastered, better audio. 
And if you remember that show, you're going to love it. And then Tim picked Call Call Me Kubrick, Kubrick, which was not what I was expecting. And under 10 bucks, you got to add it to your bag, right? And then there's the Jesus Rolls, which is the uh, new release this week on Blu-ray and DVD. So again, focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo. Start your shopping. And what do we say, Garrett? Thanks, Deep Discount. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss a shop talk that Tim found. And its question is fundamentally this, is the business handshake dead? We'll be right back. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with The Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Hey, welcome back to The Focus Group. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. Thanks for joining us live here every Wednesday at 1 p.m. East. And also, don't forget to check out our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which is released every Tuesday morning. You can find out uh, all about us and all of our programming at focusgroupradio.com. So as John teased before we went to uh, a quick break, our shop talk this week, there was a in one of these um, job sites, there was a, a question that somebody had, had posed about whether the future of the business handshake will um, will survive as we move forward uh, in 2020 and beyond. And what I felt, what I didn't pay attention to, there was always lots of people that um, we've known over the years that may be germaphobes or they don't like shaking hands or people have a weak handshake and you judge them as a certain way. But the one thing I didn't really... Um, think about is a lot of times they said deals are done over a handshake or we Mm -hmm. shook on it. And so they said, will this still, so the question they posed is, will this go away or will there be other ways for us to do greetings? And, or if you are a germaphobe, which there are plenty of people where the president was before he became a politician, um, a number of celebrities uh, are known to be uh, not ones to want to shake hands, but they were trying to give some ideas to the thought Will it go away? What will replace it if it did? And then there's a conclusion, which I was surprised about at the end that we'll get to. So what was your what was your take on this, Mr. Nash? Um, it was fascinating because I agree with you. I I've been examining after I read the article, not once, but twice. I've been examining my own like relationship to the handshake and. You know, this is a fascinating thing because the author also points out that it's different for women. Um, and it's, it's sometimes it seems to be a very guy thing. Like the way I was introduced to this was a father and a grandfather who were insistent that you had to have a good handshake. Firm, it, it was, right. it, it was, a, it, well, and it was all these things. It was, you have to really clasp the hand. You have to go web to web. You know, the, <laughs> I'm holding my hand here. You can't see, but there was all this stuff and you you can't hold it too long. And so there was an art form to it actually. And I remember many points in my career where I was meeting a client or um, someone for business and I, and they would say, Oh, I, you have a great handshake or, or you would get complimented on your handshake, which was a, a kind of, I guess, a unusual way of confirming that you were part of the club that knew how to do the handshake. But then as, as the years passed, I would meet people that didn't want to shake hands or there are cultural differences where someone would just bow their head as if to say, hello, how are you? And you'd go to put your hand on awkwardly. They wouldn't, you know, so 
he, you know, Dr. Fauci a while ago said, you know, the handshake can go away forever. I wouldn't care. I would care about it. I think it's a, a great way of con connecting with someone, another human being. But the article did raise some great questions about its its inherent meaning and how, you know, people judge you on it. it, it, it did you do it right? If you're a woman, is, can you be feminine? Can you be this? <laughs> He does conclude the article by saying that even though it's going to be out of favor for a while, that in fact he is hoping and he's betting that it will in fact be part of our culture moving forward. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had just met somebody last week that had stopped by um, the house. And after we were finished, I put my hand out to say goodbye. And um, he just looked at me. I said, Oh my God, I'm sorry. And he said, yeah, we're going to have to get used to that. But we exchanged business cards and phone numbers and then, and he was going to, going to come back. And I, you know, I said, what's your name back and forth. And then, then I, I realized, I thought, I guess that was something kind of stupid for me, but it was automatic. You know, you put your hand out to, to thank somebody or greet somebody or, um, or end a conversation and, and part. So it's, uh, it will take some getting used to. They, what this article goes into is four different tactics that they talk about on how you can avoid the handshake in business, but you have to be careful, and a lot of it's in context. So the first one was, uh, the first tactic was to drive the introduction. And they said that, so if, if when you go to greet somebody, if you are fearful or you don't want to shake hands, perhaps you, you decide as the... Um, I don't want to see the instigator, but as the person to drive the introduction as to whether it's going to be a bow or you do something different and let the person know that I'm not going to shake hands. But that one to me, I, f I felt was a little bit, um, I still think it's a little bit dicey. If you, if you walked up to somebody you didn't know, and particularly in Western culture, if you did a little bow, uh, how would you receive that, John? Uh, well, upstate, I, they would look at you like you're, where are you from? <laughs> Um, I think that I would avoid that and maybe just not extend the hand or, or like, so as Tim said, there are four of these thought processes or, or tactics for doing this. This first one, as Tim said, was, you know, you, you drive the introduction, but I agree with you, Tim. I don't know that you would, we're not, we're not wired to look at the bow as a, a formal introduction, right? So right. It, would, it, it could possibly go as being missed. Right. And even when I would go to because uh, the bow is is very much used in Asian culture, particularly in Japan, we would we'd always get a polite bow followed up with a handshake. And um, but acknowledging they was, their Western. Yeah. 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 And it, there was just something more personal. I, I like the grace of a of a bow. I always I always thought it was very um, respectful and there was something I liked about the the bow. But um, it doesn't Not feel as Japanese. intimate, I guess. Don't the Japanese also have a method of presenting their business card to you that involves the bow? So th yes. it's in both hands and they bow and they politely put it in front of and that's when you receive it. So that's a whole thing. And I, and I get that. The, um, the second tactic they had here was how about a fist bump? And he said it's a, not a long piece, but he says, keep in mind that I would not recommend this as your handshake alternative in a professional business environment. I wasn't aware that the fist bump was controversial at all. Um, I think of it as a very casual way of saying hello to someone. Like if I've been on a bike ride with someone and we're parting ways, I said, Hey, safe home, you know, watch out for traffic. The fist comes out because you don't have to, it's just a quick way of making contact with someone, but this would not be my first go-to either for a business setting. Is it yeah, to agree? Um, 
I think it's kind of a bro thing, you know, the, yes. the, the kind of the dumb jock. I, I hate to say it that way and stereotype, but to me, it feels like the bro thing. And I can't imagine a female doing that in a business setting either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not, um, but I've seen lots of people do it. It was a big thing. I've seen at a couple of corporate events where the guys would, would greet each other that way because there was less contact. It was almost a very macho thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you and I don't respond to that. The, um, the third one was use an excuse and they say here, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't shake your hand right now. I've got cold or my hands are all germy. And I think if you say that lightly, it's, um, it's one thing to provide the yeah. excuse, but, um, I don't know if you can use that all the time. I felt and, it was really flimsy, that tactic. Like, yeah. who, who, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just in, went to the bathroom and I had nowhere to wash. <laughs> you know, you have to, yeah, you have to invent a crazy thing to get out of doing something as simple as maybe you just simply say, Hey, I'm no longer comfortable doing this, but I want to say hello to you. The, you know, and at the, and that's leads into tactic four, just be honest which is, you know, what I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing the handshake thing anymore. I remember once one of our clients, uh, executive at Volkswagen, um, you know, uh, we got to know, <laughs> you know, our friend Eric, we got to know him and we loved being around him. He's a lot of fun. And one night we had this big corporate dinner thing and afterwards he's shaking people's hands and, and you, Tim, you're very good. You're like, okay, you, you waved goodbye. But I went and gave Eric a hug and he goes, and as I'm giving him a hug, he goes, oh, you're a hugger. Okay. (laughs) 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 And from that day forward, I was, so I saw him like a month later, he was in New York for something. And I said, I said, I'm not going to hug you because I, I, oh no, no, it's okay. I just had to classify you. And now I know you're a hugger. So was he, was he offended by that? You think or not at all? Not at all. But he, he clearly, we talked about it years later and he's just not one of these people that, that thinks that that kind of personal context, even necessary in, in, in business, let alone, you know, in other things. So, right. But he does it. Yeah. I was at one time at a business dinner and a personal friend of mine saw me and I was with my boss and a bunch of other people and he came up to like, give me a hug and like a, you know, a hug cheek to cheek sort of thing. And I shoved him back. I still, <laughs> I still remember because I'm sitting at a business there. You don't know these people. And he's, he's, I thought, just shake my hand. I remember shoving him. <laughs> Idiot. Hey, I got a note from Garrett that we have Don calling in from Alabama. Um, Don, are you, are you with us? Oh, Don, it is so good to hear from you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, just to stay on topic for a second, uh, I was called to the office of the CEO of a global multinational, multi-billion dollar company, and he did the elbow bump. The elbow that's bump? A, yeah, 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 that's what they were, re- the CDC was recommending that as the way to say hello, right? Yeah, and he's not even American, he's European, but he was in town and wanted to sit down and discuss a couple of things, and uh, I walked. I walked up to him like, handshake no can't do that fist bump no we're not bros and he put the elbow out so we did the elbow thing did you do oh, it too then so you did it he did it yeah. first and then you 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 no, did, he okay. did it he did it first he extended it first and then i i reciprocated he said we don't shake right now and so he did the elbow thing and the thing like about said, the el- elbow thing is though everyone's told to sneeze into their elbow hey <laughs> 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 I agree. But, uh, John, I have a question. Yes. Uh, to your right, 
on the bookcase, there is a familiar-looking silhouette that I'm not <laughs> quite sure what it is. So uh, okay. It looks so like it's... it might be an A, possibly a B class, but uh, can you elaborate? Because I can't see the engine pylons clearly. <laughs> you are, Don, you are so smart. Okay, so back behind me is a a toy, a highly detailed toy. It is the collector's NCC. item. Collector's yeah. item. It also talks. If you push the dome of the bridge, it says "Con," or like you know, it's from the brand. <laughs> so it's the uh, Starship Enterprise NCC one seven zero one A. A. So this okay. this was the refit of the Enterprise that we saw in the motion picture. <laughs> the fact that you picked that out because it's it's visible, you can see it. <laughs> yeah. but it's my it's i it replaces all the models i ever built of that ship and it, it, the toy looks better than any model kit you could buy mm. highly detailed two double a batteries now there and then bob will walk by and push it and it goes con or you know i don't like to lose it has this whole audio thing from the wrath of con so that was my it's my enterprise yeah but the a and, and my I, favorite my yeah. favorite design by the way is is that and I, and I have to compliment tim on his presidential office look there with the out of focus flag in the back the american flag yeah very nice yeah thank you <laughs> i'm glad you didn't see what was on the bottom of john john's shelf <laughs> what is on the bottom of john? oh you mean the dollies <laughs> i don't know i'm just teasing oh. you uh, no, actually, there, there's there's a Are couple there of toys there? there that you can't. There's a, a Riker and a Picard. They talk to each other, and then there's that guy. I should bring him on next week. There's that wrestling doll that Bob gave me called Goldberg. Um, oh. And you, and you can you throw it down, you hit it, and it makes noises. But it's a WWE thing. I'll have to show that. That's that's oh a total gosh. classic. Well, that might, that hey, might be a, that might be an episode next time. We have to do show show something from the office. Show Three things tell. from your office. Yeah, show and tell. That show could be tell, a funny yeah. little segment. <laughs> Or we could do well, it. I, we could. Don definitely deserves to win something because we should put something so far back, like it's it's blurred <laughs> out or something, and then you have to guess what it is. Like he figured out it's the Enterprise back there. Pretty. pretty Don, well. do you have a pair of our purple focus group socks? Do you have a pair of our socks? I have the purple and I have the black and yellow. Okay. Oh, he's up to date. He's up to date. You're, you're up to date then. But if you if you need another pair, shoot John a uh, a letter at what is it info or no, letters, letters at, at focus, focus group radio. Well, radio. I have, I have John's email. Yeah, he okay. He knows yeah, how to. He's, he's got my digits. Give us your address, <laughs> and we'll shoot, shoot you down something. Maybe a beat. Hey, Don, before I, Don, before I let you go, if you're a fan of how things are made, you know Disney released a new series on the making of the Mandalorian, and last mm -hmm. night's episode, or the one they released on Monday for the May the Fourth, is the directors talking about directing, and I love behind the scenes stuff about people and how they get their passion and where they. So you might enjoy it. I'm just going to recommend that. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I have a quick question for you, Don. Yeah. The, um, the, so the the government had released the uh, those UFO sightings, supposedly that the Air Force pilots had seen, mm -hmm. and there's the one that looks like that Tic Tac. That's uh, they were calling it a Tic Tac that was off the coast, I believe, was San Diego. Is that? Mm -hmm. Do you think it's plausible that that is something of this Earth, or do you really think that was? Did you see the video? Do you think that is truly yeah, something? It. What do you think? Is that really from some other world? Do you think? I, I will answer that with this. Uh, I used to work with a colonel who uh, was retired from Air Force Reconnaissance who used to fly, one of the aircraft he used to fly was the SR-71 Blackbird, and this was before it was declassified. 
And he would listen on the open frequencies as he was having to decelerate to come in for a landing at the number of UFO uh, sightings that were being reported that were his aircraft. So I won't say that it's not possible, but given the state of art of the Aurora project and the UAV platforms that are being developed under Aurora, I also wouldn't be surprised if what you're seeing are unmanned hypersonic or high-speed aerial vehicles that don't have to conform to the traditional um, rules of acceleration and deceleration because they don't have a human pilot. So they're able to take staggering G-forces because the, the systems in the airframe are hardened for that, and they can maneuver in ways that a conventional piloted aircraft can't. Wow. Okay. Tim, do you want to believe that um, that we're oh, no, being I believe that I believe I believe there's something else out there, of course, and I would hope that we find something out there. But I just know that from everything that I've read, and I'm not anywhere near the scholar that you and you and Don are, that it would take longer than we could survive as humans to get to one of these other places that may have an Earth-like uh, planet. True. So very true. That's why that's well, why well, when I saw something like this, I thought, you know, this is pretty interesting. If, in fact, it can move at this sort of speed and there's a civilization that may be billions of years ahead of us in terms of technology, that's all. Well, you're assuming that you're assuming that flight, you know, that, that either wormhole or certain very advanced, theor, you know, for us, theoretical forms of travel to cross great distances hasn't been conquered because I can I can send you several uh, documentaries, you know, from the 1940s that talked about how passing the sound barrier would disintegrate a human body and how doing such a thing would, would explode your heart or liquefy right. your brain. And then once it's done, it's done. Now, the, the mechanisms and the technologies necessary to, you know, cross the threshold of light speed or to collapse two points in space to just step through like a doorway, you know, it, it's theoretically possible, but... It's, it's as alien to us now as going 1,000 miles an hour was to Orville and Wilbur Wright. Right. Okay. We understand the concept. We don't understand the mechanism. Right. Okay. See, I, I, I love Don's take on this. That means that possibly long after we're gone, they might figure this out. Hey, Don, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks, and uh, Stay Thanks, healthy, Don. my friend. <clears throat> Likewise. All righty. Uh, fun show. Thank you all for joining us here on Facebook and YouTube Live. Of course, you could always find everything out about the Focus Group at focusgroupradio.com, including our Tuesday podcast, Unbuttoned. All our media is there. And you could also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, blah, blah, SoundCloud, <laughs> anywhere you can yeah, get quality audio. Yeah, but ever do. Hey, a big thanks to Garrett and Steve for bringing us together and to sending us out to all of you. So thank you, guys. The boys in the booth are the best. A big thanks to Deep Discount, a partner of ours here on the Focus Group for quite some time. British Sale, I recommended the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Special Edition, which redoes the BBC show from the 90s. Kitschy. I love it. You got to watch it. Tim picked Color Me Kubrick, which is now on my list ASAP because it sounds like a lot of fun starring John Malkovich. And the release this week is The Jesus Rolls, um, which is a continuation of The Big Lebowski, kind of. But it's got some of the same cast. So check that out. All right, everybody. Um, stay healthy. Don't text and drive. Alive, arrive. And we will see you on next week's broadcast.
It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.